Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. Greetings, good morning, good afternoon, and good night for those listeners listening at 3am. Yep, I see you on the analytics. Welcome to this week's TED Talks episode. Now, today we have Barry Nelson on the show. He is based in Scotland, and wow, he is flying. (laughs) I guess you could call him a flying Scotsman. Now, he has done over 15 property purchases in 17 months, and five of them were flips, so a nice bit of chunky cash coming in there. He's currently bringing in about £2,300 a month in passive income, and he's raised over £500,000 in angel investment. I mean, that's pretty awesome, right? And to quote him, he said, hmm, you know what, we're moving on to bigger things now. I don't want an extra 200 quid a month from another buy to let. I want an extra 200 grand a year. And that's the kind of thinking you resonate with, then you're really going to enjoy this one. And as usual, please like the Facebook page, follow me on Instagram, leave a review. Barry's also giving away 30-minute consultations on the phone to ask whatever you want and get to know him better, whatever it is. So if you want to be in with a chance of winning, like, review, let me know, and then we'll go from there. Also, keep an eye out in the next few weeks for a special episode uh, about my property journey again, and also telling you why my £18,000 property purchase is not going ahead. Barry Nelson, welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Thanks for having me, my friend. No, no problem. You know, we've been connected for, I think, a while. I'm not sure what kind of brought us together, but I do know I have seen lots of holiday photos from you. So um, I think property has probably been quite good to you. So it'd be really interesting for for us to talk through your story. Um, And I I guess I'd firstly love to understand, you know, before property, if if there was a a Barry before property, um, you know, what like what were you doing with your life? Yeah, so before property, um, and actually still now, I've got a construction business. So it didn't start off that way. Um, I actually started eight years ago, uh, coming up eight years ago in March. So it was um, my first sort of joint into entrepreneurship, and it was me and my lawnmower. It was me cutting grass for people. <laughs> so it was uh, the garden barber we were called to start with, and uh, it was basically just round about the towns where I lived and cutting grass for you know ten pounds, fifteen pounds a time for uh, wee Betty and Jeannie and all these people that uh, were needing, you know, couldn't be bothered cutting their own grass or weren't uh, weren't able to do it. So that's sort of how I started. Um, then I changed the business, realised I wasn't going to be a, a millionaire anytime soon cutting people's grass. And, and <laughs> what I was doing was really just trading time for money. Uh, and it was a poor rate of pay as well. Um, I realised that I didn't want to do that. So sort of focused more so on uh, the time leverage side of things that I'd, I'd learned from Rich Dad Poor Dad actually I'd read that book and that took me on that sort of path so I decided to change up the business model um, and we focused more so on labour supply and that's the way the business runs just now so it's a, a labour supply agency for the construction industry still going just now um, and it's basically again something that uh, is I'm not actually actively on site or anything anymore so it gave me time uh, to look at different things and property was the the sort of vehicle I've also got an online business as well which is heavily geared up towards the personal development side of things and that was one of the things that led me into uh, 
into property through meeting people in and that and they actually were already investing in property so that's that's sort of how I got into it. Wow so how did you go from having a construction business to getting mm-hmm. into personal development because I think the two are not really closely linked like generally speaking and not at all not so, at all <laughs> so, so how did that happen um, so again it was a wee bit I, I always sort of felt like I wanted a wee bit more from life so that was something that um, I actually it was my mum she she actually got a, a book for me it was The Secret by Rhonda Byrne and it was all about the law of attraction so she told me about this book and she was like you need to read it I think it'll be great for you and I started reading that so I read that book and then from there I didn't really do anything else with it my partner Rachel had started an online business the one that we're involved with just now and she was reading these books she kept getting given things like Rich Dad and Poor Dad Secrets of the Millionaire's Mind by T. Harvecker and all of these books that were and I could see a difference in her so I could see the mindset in her shifting I could see the confidence levels growing and she just had a much more um, you know confident approach to life and she was more enthusiastic about the, the sort of possibilities so I decided to give her a go as well I could see the change in Rachel so I was like you know there's something in this here so that's why I then started reading the books and, and getting involved in personal development because it definitely hasn't linked construction is quite a negative industry to be fair and there was a lot of, I got a lot of stick even from people in my family who we're like, what are you doing reading these stupid books? But, you know, it definitely has, has played a massive part in our journey uh, and will continue to do so. So, yeah, it's definitely not a, a sort of a normal thing to do in construction. But I think it was probably Rachel and both my Rachel and my mum who, who sort of sparked that there. Uh, and it's something that will definitely continue uh, for the rest of my days. Wow. Good on them. And then, so are you, is this business you're essentially coaching and mentoring other people to develop themselves? Uh, with the online business? Yeah. It's, a, it's an online health and wellness business. So it's a network marketing. So it's, it's something that, um, yeah, we are. We're, we're essentially helping other people, coaching, uh, coaching them and training them. And it's very mindset. I always say it's a personal development business. Um, and it comes in a health and wellness, you know, bo- uh, box. It's wrapped up that way, but it is massively about personal development. And I think to be successful in anything, you'll know yourself that uh, property construction, any business, um, would would require would require you to grow to a certain level in terms of personal development. And it is like the way that the way that we look at it. If we want to earn more money, we want to help more people. We need to first develop ourselves to that level so if we want to earn 100,000 a year you have to you have to grow to that level if you want to earn a million a year you have to grow to that level so it's it's something that we are always looking at new books and attending seminars and things and again that's one of the reasons we attended a property seminar because we knew that that was something like well we can do this if we want to we then attended that and it took us into this whole opened up a whole other world of um, fun and you know challenges as well obviously but um, you know something that we're always going to be involved in property going forward it's just a smart investment vehicle and we really enjoy it as well awesome and before we kind of go into the property part I'm going to put you on the spot here what mm-hmm. three books do you think you know beginners in sort of personal development maybe those who have never read Rich Dad Poor Dad or any of those kind of books what are the you know the vital top three core books that people should read to develop themselves as a person oh I read so many books okay so top three 
I, I really, really liked um, The Secret. Now, a lot of people give that a bit of stick, The, the Law of Attraction. If you haven't read that by Rhonda Byrne, I, I do think that's a really good starting point because it makes you aware of your thoughts. And as much as you've got to put the action steps in as well, you can't just think yourself successfully and then sit in the room and do nothing. Um, you've got to put the action steps in. But I do think that's a really good book. I also liked Secrets of the Millionaire's Mind by T. Harvecker. Uh, that gets to, it talks about your financial thermostat, your wealth thermostat. So what are you comfortable earning and how can you raise that to earn more money? Uh, so that's an also that's a good starting point as well. Uh, I've just read a really good one there by John Kehoe called Mind Power. Now, I love that. Very similar to the law. Of, uh, it talks about the law of attraction. A wee bit more practical involved there. So that could be the third one, but I'm going to put a fourth one in and be cheeky <laughs> uh, just because that's uh, something's popped into my head uh, from a mindset point of view and making you feel that you're able to achieve things in life and some practical steps and stuff as well uh, by Jen Sincero as You Are a Badass. Now, I love that book. I listen to it in audio pretty much on repeat. Um, I'm constantly, at least once a month, I'll listen to that book. Okay, cool. Great selection and great selection for people to uh, to go out and look for, right? So property, you know, what was, you know, was there a defining moment or conversation or someone or something that made you kind of think, wait a minute, why am I not doing property? I, I need to get into this. Yeah, so there was, you know, I actually bumped into a guy, uh, a couple of guys in, in my area, probably about seven years ago. And the the two of them were having a, a laugh and a joke, and um, they seemed to be doing pretty well for themselves. Asked them what they did, and they were telling me it was property. So I understood, and I've always been around people who that's you know they invested in property or they were developers, and they always seemed to uh, have plenty of cash about them. So it was always something from a young age that definitely sparked interest in myself. I just didn't think it was possible for me to do it. I still had that old school mentality of, well, you need to have lots of money in the bank. And, um, you know, once I've got 100,000, 200,000, then I can start going and doing something in terms of property. But or when I'm a bit older, uh, I'll, I'll get into that because there was no one really young that was doing it round about here. But these guys sort of changed my perspective on it. And um, I thought, well, maybe maybe one day I could do it again. Nothing happened for a couple of years. And then um, I actually became an accidental landlord. So myself and Rachel, we bought our new house and the sale fell through of the other one just a couple of days before um, we actually moved. But we didn't need the money out of that other one to, to buy this one, which was a good thing. So we just rented that one out, rented the old house out. And we did that for a year. And then we, we ended up selling it on. But that was the sort of, uh, that was a point there. So it was two years, sorry, we rented it for. So there was a couple of different points that we thought right okay well this is actually quite good we can up and just from speaking to different people who we were meeting along the way and they were they were saying yeah I also invest in property so it was just a couple of moments there I think it's always something I've, I've been interested in and thought I would get into at some point but just when I, there were several conversations that happened over the last probably three three and a half four years with people that made it a wee bit more accessible and I thought well maybe it is something that we could do um, and it didn't require us to be multimillionaires to go in and, and start building a portfolio or start getting involved in it. Hmm. And whereabouts do you invest? We invest in Ayrshire and in, in Scotland, southwest Scotland. So it's, you know, about an hour away, 45 minutes to an hour away from Glasgow. That's pretty much where it's our investment area. We know it well. 
we've you know we've lived here all our days and it's something that if you you know a tip is if you don't need to travel too far to to get started in property then don't bother because it just adds a whole lot of complications into it we knew people around here who could do the refurb works we knew um you know the the areas we knew what would rent we knew the dodgy streets because everywhere's got them <laughs> and you know the, the the areas that really wouldn't work well as flips and it's that was just a big thing that definitely helped us buy um buy the right properties now we still probably had certain ones that we looked at that maybe weren't great in terms of um it was just a learning curve for us thinking oh we'll flip this one but maybe it wasn't the right type of property that to, to flip so we made a couple of mistakes here and there but we always had our two exits, so it still panned out okay. But Ayrshire, it's a good market in terms of um, very strong with the rentals. Flips are great in certain parts of it as well. Okay. And so, you know, a, a three-bed kind of family house in Ayrshire, what what kind of rough top-level price are we looking at? What What's the market like? It's quite, well, it's reasonable, really reasonable in Scotland compared to some of the places. I speak to some of my friends down in London and stuff, and it's just ridiculous prices. So up here, um, just to give you a sort of idea, you know, Ayrshire area, very top end um, for, not very top end, but, you know, an average sort of three bed, three bed would be about 180,000. Um, you know, we've got a four bed that's in the twos, uh, 200 odd thousand. Um, but you can pick up properties really reasonable sized for for a good price. Uh, the further south you go, there's obviously um, not so many properties like that. And we've bought a lot of our investment properties are very like you no know, bottom end in terms of the prices. The cheapest one we've actually bought was a one bedroom flat for seventeen thousand. <laughs> wow. That so you can't even get a garage down in London for that, <laughs> <laughs> mate. You can't even get an on-road parking spot in the middle of a rubbish street for that. I mean, yeah. that's that's interesting. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll do you one better though. I'm getting a three-bed, three-story mm-hmm. for eighteen grand in South Wales. Wow, no, that yeah. But you hey, listen, yours is awesome because I know yours is probably going to revalue a lot higher than what you're buying it for. Um, yeah, yeah, no, we did well on that one. The the, the one bed. Mm. And so when it comes to investing up there, in Scotland, the rules are slightly different to England. Am I right in that it's better because once you put an offer in, it's it's pretty much accepted? Is that right? It it all depends. If it's been accepted by the by the seller um, and everything's all going through solicitors it is, it is different there's there's a lot of things that are different um, in Scotland I wouldn't know if it was better or not I don't invest down down in England yet it is something we probably will look at um, at some point HMOs don't really work very well up here the legislations make it really tough and HMOs did interest us at first but definitely it's not it's not as easy to do up here as what it is in certain places down south um, so yeah, there, there is different rules, lease options and everything. Lease options don't work up here. There's no such thing. We don't have like um, you guys have got freehold and leasehold. I used to get confused when people would say, "Oh, is it a leasehold property or freehold?" And I'm like, "Well, I don't really understand what you're talking about because it's, <laughs> it's all it's all freehold." And um, that, so that there's certain strategies that don't really work up here. And there's also certain lenders that don't lend in Scotland. Uh, I'm not sure what the reason is. Don't know what the reason is behind it, but um, I don't know if it's easier. In terms of getting in in, in prices, that when you're, you're looking at certain things like this, now I know Wales, if you just talked about there, can be quite similar. Um, the, the prices that you can get 
but there's not many places in England that you can pick something up for 18,000, 19,000. Uh, where Scotland, there's plenty of areas where you can get these types of deals. Wow. And so let's let's zoom out and get a top level of your portfolio and then let's kind of go into the first deal. So like, what, what does your portfolio look like as of right now today? So we've got 10 that we kept. Um, so we bought... 15 properties in, in a 17-month period um, and we sold five as flips and we kept 10. So, yeah, from a, from that point of view, um, generates us a nice income. Um, probably about after after everything's all paid, letting agents and all that stuff, uh, 2,300, I think it is, we, we work, walk, walk away with. Um, in terms of the, the areas that we've got, it's mainly villages that we've got our, our, our rental properties. Uh, they just work really well from a rental point of view. You're always going to get tenants. Um, we've, you know, we've got them scattered throughout Ayrshire, so it's not. With, they're probably within, um, you know, 45 minutes drive of each other from one end of Ayrshire, the very south of Ayrshire, right up to the north of Ayrshire. Uh, but yeah, the, we've kept 10, and as of just now, we've no no desire to to sort of grow that. We've got different changing strategies, so. Um, we'll keep that probably for the next year or so. Then we'll go again and buy probably another, you know, five, six, and we could maybe do four between four and four and six a year. I think going forward from when we start buying again. Wow! So, fifteen properties purchased in seventeen months. Is that right? Yes. Yep. Wow. Okay. So I have tons of questions, but um, tell me about the first ever deal that you did that's in this portfolio, and and the first- kind of figures around it. First ever deal was a great deal. I wish they were all like this. So we bought this deal, uh, the first one, for 35000 Um, It's a three-bed. It was described on the website and right move as a three-bed villa in Goldston. Now, there's no such thing as a villa in Goldston. It was a three-bed ground floor flat. Um, <laughs> we bought it for 35000 we spent very, very you know, low refurb. We didn't have to do much to it. Bathroom was fine. We put a new kitchen in it. We decorated it and we put new carpets in it. Uh, we were all in between the refurb and fees. We were 5,000. So we were all in the deal for 40. Um, and we then uh, got a value. In fact, it was rented out on the fifth week. So basically, you know, the, we had four weeks. The four weeks was the refurb and getting everything organized. And on the fifth week, we had it rented out that we owned it for £490 a month so we got that refinanced and revalued at 60000 so we pulled out 75% loan to value we pulled out 45000 plus and we had the rental of 490 for five months so technically seven seven and a half thousand profit um, after we refinanced it and uh, it was with Virgin Money as well they actually gave us a £500 cash back on that as well so that was a, <laughs> a really cheeky wee deal it was good <laughs> but you know it was good and that was being the first refinance I think it's always when you have um, you're coming up to that refinance moment and you're you're a wee bit concerned about whether the, the valuation is going to come back the way you thought and especially being the first where we were nervous but when it came back bang on and there was no issues it was great and and for the deal to go as, as well as that and that tenant's still in there today as well wow so you got a free house with profit and a cheeky bit of cash back and it's generating i mean quite a lot i mean just think i'm just thinking about areas such as wales the midlands um sort of other parts of england and and your kind of yield is is pretty high um yeah. so what kind of like what kind of tenant is in that property and what kind of tenants do you get generally 
It depends on where we are. We've got um, we've got two DSS tenants, and this is one of them. So this is the council that pays us direct for this, um, and that's you know a woman with our two kids, not our three kids possibly. I'm not sure, two or three kids. Um, we've got generally tenants wise depends on the property. So we've got one the one bedroom. I would say was the one that we've had an issue with. Uh, the one bedroom flat um, that was also vandalised recently as well with the last tenant. So that's the one we've not had so, such great luck with in terms of the the tenants. But we've got a couple moving into that um, in two weeks' time once it's finished again, once it's all repaired and finished. So they they seem nice. Um, we've got families and the the houses that we've got, and we've got some couples mainly in the flats that we've got. So mainly. You know, young couples. That's that's who we've sort of geared up towards. We didn't really think of who the tenant was um, coming up to. We've got a, but it's mainly young couples. I would say that's in our our properties. Okay, and then how did you finance the the first deal? First deal, um, angel funding. So pretty much all of our deals were angel angel investors. Um, one of which we knew beforehand, and the first one was was someone we knew. Uh, but they didn't give us all. They, we needed we needed forty, and they gave us um, they gave us thirty. So I had ten thousand to find between the purchase and um, the the refurb and stuff, which I had myself. So I had that sitting aside, um, and I just used my cash for the rest of it, and I paid the investor back ten percent on on what they gave us. So I gave them three thousand. So you know that seven and a half then became uh, four four and a half. Wow, and so how much have you raised in the in how much did you raise in those seventeen months from angels and finance? Over half a million we raised. So you what? It was over half a million. Yeah, it was pretty good. Wow. Um, I mean that's you know it's it's a it's a decent amount of money, shall we say? It's a couple of Lamborghinis. Um, yeah. Ha- like, I mean, I still have so many questions. Like, how did you get half a million pounds, especially when you know? You bought one property, you had some angel finance from people you knew, but you yep. didn't have like a track record per se. Like, talk me through how you got half a million. Yeah, so the way we did it was, I think it was being be, being very vocal about what we were doing on social media. Now, there was, you know, the whole social media thing has been played a massive part because people from across the world, across the UK who are watching you, uh, we'd maybe met people through some forums, property forums that we were connected with. Um, there was people watching, maybe we'd been to networking events and we'd connected with people on that. Uh, we were pretty active in terms of the viewing side of things. When we bought a property, um, we bought the you know the first one, we pictures of us with the keys or a, a video walkthrough of the refurb. So just got to work in terms of building our network and um, being vocal about what we're doing, having conversations with people, local people in the area. Now, we only got cash from one person that we knew. The rest was all from people we didn't actually know before we started investing. So it was just a bit of a knock-on effect. You know, we, we had a conversation with someone, and they were like, listen, I, I might know someone who could help you out here. So then we set up a call, had a, a Zoom call or a Skype call with someone, and, yeah, raised the money for the second one. And then it was just this sort of snowball where... You know, we had the keys for the second one, so then we did a video. 
or a Facebook Live or something, and uh, then it was on to the next one, and then just sort of went from there. So it was like a constant. At one point, it was like one a month, easy, uh, buying a new property, and it was like even my missus was going, you know, calm down. My dad was calling me the, the Monopoly man. He's like, you can't just <laughs> run about buying houses and uh, when you've got no money. And I was like, well, we can and we will. And, and we continued to do that. So raising the money actually became pretty easy um, because there was loads of people who knew what we were doing. At one point, someone phoned me and said, look, you still need that 40000 for the deal. And I was like, no, no, we don't actually. We've got it sorted. Um, but if you've got money there, we'll go shopping. So we ended up then going and looking for a deal and, and raised money. We knew we had that money there from, from someone else. So, yeah, it was quite interesting. It was good. And, it, you know, the skills that I'd learned through, you know, building my other businesses definitely um, gave me the ability. They were transferable. So raising money, I, I knew how to have a conversation. I knew how to talk about the figures of the deal because we knew the figures. Um, and I, I had this confidence about it. The more that I did, the more, uh, and I think the refinance coming back on the first one so well definitely put me into a confident state of, okay, we know we can get that sorted easy enough. Now, it doesn't always pan out as as, um, as well as what it did in the first deal, which we found out. But um, yeah, I think raising the money became quite an easy thing to do. And if the deal if the deal's right, then the money the money should be easy enough to find. Wow. So it's a combination of networking, telling mm-hmm. everyone what you're doing, being confident yeah. in it, and also having proof. Now, you know, what if... You know, would you advise that people do their first property deal, you know, with their own money or with money from someone they know, and then they have that as a marketing tool and proof? Or do you think it's possible to go out there, no sort of track record in buying properties, but but having lots of knowledge and saying, cool, guys, I've got this amazing deal. Will you invest in me? Or do you think that's going to be kind of very difficult? It all depends. If you're confident in the way that you're coming across and you're confident in the figures, the person who's investing may or may not be in property already, so they, they'll possibly know the things to look out for. Um, so I, I think if you can raise money from people that you know first, that would make the first deal good um, you know, and, and make it a wee bit easier from your point of view, and then you can say you've got a track record. What I would then... What I wouldn't recommend anyone to do is is to go out and do everything as quickly as what we did, assuming that it's all going to go to plan because we had some challenges with some refinances being downvalued. Um, so if you can build up your, your capital first, I would say, in terms of a pot as well, don't just go out and look to do buy-to-let, buy-to-let, buy-to-let or HMOs that are going to give you cash flow. You, you also need the, the lump sum. So if you can raise... Um, or start with a pot of cash that's your own first, that's going to help you out. And I would say turn that pot of cash into more cash. Uh, then you might not need to raise as much money and give away your 10% every every deal that you're doing. Um, but if you're wanting to do things quickly and you have got maybe thirty or 40,000, but you want to multiply and do things a wee bit quicker, then raising the, the finance, as long as you're confident in the figures and confident in your own abilities to pay it back, then um, that's something that you can do. Wow. So, you know, if you can do it, anyone can do it, right? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, you know, was it was it kind of daunting having a, a lot of other people's money kind of in your deals? Did it kind of keep you up at night or were you very confident in it because your numbers and your experience was, you know, as solid as it could be? Well, the first, it, it didn't actually... It didn't really get to me at all um, within the first, and especially the first five or six, they sailed through. 
Um, we've done some flips uh, and maybe the fifth or sixth property, we did a couple of flips as well. Um, but then coming up to the last few deals that's when we had a, a couple of challenges now I, I'm a big believer in letting people know about challenges um, because I want people, you know, my hindsight to be your foresight sort of thing so um, we did have some issues getting valuations and getting the cash out quicker uh, or as quick um, and we had some down valuations which then um, led to instead of pulling out 40,000 you were pulling out 35,000 or 30,000 now that's fine if you're doing one or two and you've got some cash there but when you get that between the down valuations and lenders saying because of the value of the property they'll only give you 65% loan to value and you've wrote down in paper 75% that's when you can see a wee bit of right okay now this isn't quite as rosy as I thought it was going to be it's not as easy um, and you know that's when we had some challenges where we went right this is we've got a deficit here to pay back investors we've got x amount to pay back and uh, we, we're only pulling out y so we need to find some money here to pay them back so that's where yes there's um that's when it started to be a wee bit like right uh, I don't fancy um going going to sleep tonight or not that I don't fancy it it was quite difficult worrying about that situation but yeah it's definitely something if I could go back in terms of uh, say to myself I would have said after the you know the first maybe six or seven in terms of that take take stock look at where we are let's get these over the line first then let's you know let's go again um but we were too busy just going bye 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 you know but you you don't see the effects of it and because we were buying so much all at the same time all at once like one a month then it was like that effect happened once we got over the sixth or the seventh, then you start to see the cracks sort of showing and, and valuations been a wee bit less and not pulling out as much money. Um, so that's that's where we had a, a bit of a challenge. So why why did you not get the valuation you wanted? I mean, what's your kind of learning from that? Did you overestimate it? Did you not do it to the right standard? Like, what was the reason? Uh, there was a couple of reasons. I think um, overestimating one of them uh, was was something. We're looking at comparables. Um, also, there was a couple in the streets of one of them that got down. We only got down valued on one or two. One, no, two. We got down valued on two, and the rest it wasn't so much the down valuations. It was uh, the the valuations that we got were actually spot on. But what we didn't take into consideration was the lender. They they wouldn't give us seventy five percent of um, what we're looking for they, they would only give us 65 percent because it was sort of lower lower value so that was an issue so we lost 10 percent in terms of what we could pull out across four or five of the properties and then down valued on two of them so that did cause us you know a, you know cash flow cash issues you're not pulling out as much now when you've got four or five refinances all due at the same time uh, that can be a bit of a tricky one and a, right okay how are we going to get about this uh, but there, there was a couple I would say in terms of standard we've done them all to a fairly high standard um, but just being probably a wee bit naive as to everything going swimmingly and down valuations are normal it will happen at some point we also got um, an up valuation as well we got one that was um, up valued so it was up an extra £10,000 so that was that was good Wow so like you know, obviously, there's a lot of projects going on, a lot happening all the time. How do you mm -hmm. trust that your builders are doing what they're supposed to, and they're being managed effectively whilst you're buying, you know, fifteen properties in seven in seventeen months? To to control them, we actually took them on uh, books in. We we started the the refurb team, and but we we did it with a certain number of them. So we had the joiner, Tyler, 
Um, we had a carpet fitter at times there as well, working for us. So because we were buying so many, we didn't, at first it was just for our own use. So we didn't put them on to other jobs. It was just our properties they worked on full time. And we had enough, we were buying enough to actually do that. So we were then in control of them. The first couple we had, we put them out to the builders and the prices were coming back, massive variations. And then, oh, we can't start for another three weeks. And we're like, well, we need it started now or right now. And the prices were varying very much depending on their financial situation. So the guy was skint one week and a kitchen would be 2000 But if he was flush the following week, it would be 1500 So I didn't like the variations. I didn't like not controlling uh, where, where they were going to be. And we had a lot of, we were buying a lot. So we were in buying mode. We, we wanted to be able to control that. So what we did was said, well, okay, why don't you come and work for us? So we just got them working for us, and then when we stopped buying, we just put them out, and we were doing refurbs for other investors um, as well. But when we were in buying mode, it was constantly working on our property, so we knew where they were going to be. We knew that you know we were in control of it, and our project managed every one of them as well. Mm. Smart idea, and I guess your construction background would have helped massively in terms of understanding projects, the actual prices, the kind of damage that could be done to a house that was already there. So, you know, in terms of your flips that you have done, talk me through one of them. Maybe maybe your favourite one of the flips. Favourite? Um, we did one. It, it, my favourite one because it was seemed to be the easiest in terms of we got it quite, you know, got it over the line quite quick. Um, and it came as a result of uh, just a woman seeing that we were doing work on a different flat and she came and asked if we were interested in buying it. So this one, I really liked it. I liked the flat. We could have sold it probably five times over. We had three offers um, and the, on the, the day that the, the viewings started, um, all for what we were looking for. Um, so the numbers aren't you know, amazing. They're not, you know, they're not buying Bentleys anytime soon, but um, it was just a nice wee deal. I liked it and the fact that it was so straightforward. So we bought it for 26 Um Spent about probably about twelve thousand and the refurb, maybe fourteen thousand dollar in between refurb and fees and stuff like that. Um so yeah, twenty six, fourteen, so say we're all in for forty, sold it for sixty-five. Um, you know, it was really, really straightforward and just it, it turned out nice. It was it was one that was a complete wreck, but we managed to turn it around and and just make it look really nice. And again, we could have just over and over again, we could have sold that one. So that's, I quite like that one. We've got a really interesting one just now that we um, just got agreed as well, which is going to be probably my favourite one once it's finished. Um, all going to plan, but um, this one we've actually been trying to buy for pretty much eight or nine months, maybe longer than that. We've been trying to get a hold of the guy who owns it. We've managed to track him down, get a phone number for him and everything. Spoke to him and we've got the price and stuff agreed. So that one's purchase price, um, 50000 Fifty thousand purchase price, uh, probably about sixty sixty five to spend on it. Um, but the next door neighbour just sold for one ninety, and that's a smaller smaller property than what we are looking at here. So I'm thinking two hundred two ten uh, for the the sale of it. So it'll be really again, it's a total wreck just now. But you can see the vision. You can see how easily and how quickly you can turn things around about in property once you've been you've been doing it for a while. Wow, and you know that must be a wreck to spend more than the house is costing on a refurb like yeah. are you completely gutting it back to a shell has it got structural issues or 
No, there's no structural issues. It's just basically we're going to spec it quite well inside and externally we're going to put a driveway in. We're going to care and finish. We're going to put charcoal windows in. So it's going to look really modern and we're going to spend a bit in the back, the front and back garden. So between the driveway, which will make it sell a lot better, um, fencing and external works. It's just overgrown. There's bushes everywhere. We'll take all of that away. And the external, the sort of K-Ren finish is going to cost us probably about 15000 alone. So uh, there's a big chunk of dough in that. But internally, the the previous owner, the guy who's selling it to us, actually, he he's already stripped it all back. So it's all just sitting ready to go with stud walls and everything inside. Wow, that's very convenient, hey? It's very convenient. <laughs> how, how nice of him. If only all vendors would do that, right? Um, so, like, flips are chunky money, undeniably, but I think something that maybe isn't touched on a lot is how long it actually takes to get that chunky money. So, if we look back at your kind of flips, on average, and I know every deal is kind of different, but how long does it take to go from, um, let's say, from exchange to it being sold uh, you know kind of offer accepted and then exchange again so from exchange to exchange how long should it take or has it taken you well with the six month rule there's there's a lot of things as well that slowed down pretty much six months um a few and i know a few people who've done them within six months you know if you're selling to a cash buyer that helps um but anywhere from i would say usually four four months very very best um right through to a year so you could be you know waiting a year um for for your money to come back in which or if you're borrowing from an angel we we like to jv on flips as well because um you know if people are looking to make 10 percent, that's fine and they want the security of just making 10 percent. but if they want to go 50 50 and they're putting up all the money if you're doing finding the deal and doing all the work then we're happy to do that as well um and then you know, going forward, there's this relationship there that it makes it easier to go and, and do these JVs, these flips. If you've got access to, to lots of cash, I would rather have 50% of something than 100% of nothing. So, um, but you could, yeah, you could be waiting between six months and a year for, for your money to come back in. So it's not, it's not like right now money. Yes, there's sourcing. You can, you can do some sourcing if you're looking for right now cash, sourcing deals, if you're finding them. We have done a bit of sourcing properties and refurbing them for other people. Um, so yeah, the, you know, there's there's all sorts of options if you're looking for cash right now. But um, flips are not exactly, you know, you find a good deal, you're not exactly going to be in spending spending the money two weeks after you found and agreed <laughs> the deal. You need to do the graft, you need to put it in, and you need to get it sold. Absolutely good. And so you have a portfolio at the moment bringing in, you know, about two thousand two hundred pounds a month in profit now. Everyone talks about property as being a passive investment and they always put the you know the speech marks next to it with their hands when they say that. How passive is your portfolio? Um I mean we we've got letting agents that deal with all, but it's not it's not passive. You know, you you've got phone calls from stupid things, you know, this needs done and this isn't working properly or um the washing machine's broke down in this one and um you know, the light doesn't seem to be working. Do you know, there's some things here and there. We don't get involved in any of the management side of things. We did try that for the first couple to save 10%. And then you realize very quickly that it's just not worth that. You know, that 10% is, you know, give that away all day long um, to the letting agents. So I think, you know, don't get me wrong, we're not, it's not as if you have to do anything on a daily basis for it. We get a phone call and you have to deal with that phone call. But 
it's it's you know you can't just disappear and never speak to anyone again but it's very minimal in terms of the work that we have to do with it the one that um, we've just had a bit of bad luck with the one bedroom that a guy's vandalized smashed it up and uh, never paid the rent for for two months um that was a, a learning curve for us and uh, that that's been a wee bit i've had to put a bit of time into that in terms of right builders out quotes um and you no know, then me speaking to the insurance companies and meeting them out there so but that's the the only one we've had to do that with so far touchwood so yeah it's, it, you know as in terms of other investments you can't just turn it on and that's it you know get 10 and then disappear and never speak to anyone again about it because you'll have some form of issues unless you've got systems in place where you just tell them look x amount take it off the rent if it's below that um but we do like to be a wee bit in control in terms of if there's something needing done let us know come to us with a quote of what you guys are looking at and if we think we can get it done cheaper then we'll we'll instruct someone else to do it um or we'll do it ourselves um but yeah there's not a great deal of time that goes into them okay cool i like the answer it's honest and i think you know, other landlords may disagree and say they're putting in a lot more time. Others may say, you know, they're living life on a beach in Italy and, and doing nothing. <laughs> so, you know, it definitely varies. But I think it is, from what I'm learning after all these podcasts, it is as passive as you can potentially get, especially for how much you can make. So yeah. you mentioned you're not sort of, you know, going all out and explosively building your portfolio, you know, uh, bigger than it is now. So what... Yeah are you doing next in in property are you going to build a portfolio in, in the future are you going to go into sa like what kind of other things are you looking at um new build developments so just now we're, we're looking for flips more flips so we'll continue to do flips um and we're doing a bit of sourcing as well up in Ayrshire because we're still finding good buy to let deals but it just doesn't it's not what we're looking to do just now so we're, we're sourcing some of these properties on um the new build developments is what really excites us because you know we've got the construction background in terms of it's a groundworks business that i've got uh and there's it's just a lot when you look at it we've sort of learned lessons in terms of the refurbs and all that along the way and what to do what not to do um, and i just look now we're looking for we don't want an extra 200 pounds a month for a new buy to let now we want an extra 200,000 a year so that's the sort of thing you know we're looking at bigger developments bigger deals um, and new builds is something that massively excites us so we've got an offer accepted just now and and some land in Ayrshire so we're planning is in we're looking to get um, nine new builds on on our first deal so um, if it all comes off in planning my patience is not my strong point so uh, the new build side of things is a bit slower and that's why we're continuously looking for flips and stuff as well we're always going to be looking for that to build up the capital um, but new builds is where we're going to, it's going to take a you know bit of a longer process and I'm sure we're going to find some new challenges definitely along the way with it but we've got people round about us through through the, the communities that we're part of that have been doing this and doing this very well uh, so we've got people there that we can get advice from as well. Great exciting times huh? Yeah it is so yep. Mm. So you know you're you're bringing in sort of about the UK average salary a year passively doing doing very little work. Now, what has this and, and property in general allowed you to do in your life or with your life? Has it given you some sort of like freedom or flexibility? Yeah, I mean, it has. It's given us, um, it's, it's definitely given us some freedom there. And I think the biggest thing it's given us um, is, is the sort of vision in terms of what you can do with it, what you can create. 
Um, and it's, you know, the, the people that you surround yourself with, I'm a massive believer in the people that you surround yourself with um, influence where you're going to end up. And I think as Jim Rowan says, you are the average of the five people that you spend most of your time with. So, you know, we have met, you know, made some incredible friends, inspirational people who are involved in property and we're good friends with them now and we learn so much from them. And I just think things like this as well, it's, it's great to, I've been listening to your podcast and that's why you know we're, we're here now as well but this people in the communities that we're, we're part of it's, it's just exciting to see people taking control of their own life and not you know realizing that this working for 40 hours a week for someone else it's not the business model anymore and there is so many different opportunities out there for people to you know take that back into their own hands and go well I'm going to do this this is my side hustle I'm going to build this up alongside what I'm doing until it gets to a point where I can do it full time and realizing that you've got to create your own pension pot and, and property is a great vehicle to do that. Amazing. And I think the main thing I took from that is that my podcast has helped so much. So well, there we well, there we go. Exactly. Everyone Barry said it. So it's got to be true. And well, he's successful. So keep listening to the podcast. I had to plug myself there. Um, so this brings us to nearly the end of the show did the quick fire round but one last question before we jump into that is there like an app or platform or tool resource that you just can't live without that is so essential to your kind of daily functioning i'm going to say facebook which isn't even property related um you know we go through the the usual methods in terms of platforms and, and how we find properties and all that but i think a lot of our growth in terms of we've bought properties uh, we've found properties through Facebook, people tagging us and things. We've found money through Facebook, uh, Facebook Live, letting people know what we're doing. We've found all sorts of things. Tenants, a lot of tenants have came through Facebook, just sharing pictures and stuff. So that has been one thing, I think. If you were to take everything else away, we could still make it work with uh, Facebook. In terms of finding the deals, people ask me that a lot. Like, how do you find these deals? A lot of our deals have just been off right move. Just, you know, your usual channels. A lot of them, you know, a few, good few of them have been direct to vendor. And again, that's because they've seen a post that we've done on Facebook and it's been, or we've done a Facebook Live and someone's tagged them in it and they just happen to be selling a property. So yeah, I would say that'd be the sort of number one uh, thing that we couldn't probably live without. Amazing. Facebook is such a powerful tool as are kind of all social media platforms but facebook seems to be the one that property investors flock to and, and use the most so for people yeah. listening you know if you're not on facebook you're not building a brand you're not posting pictures videos content whatever it is you know it may slow down and hinder your success because you know as barry mentioned really early on in the podcast a lot of his success has come from facebook in one way or another so everyone get on facebook you know get a proper profile picture not some weird cat you know get like yeah. a proper cover photo like build yourself an awesome brand because it will pay dividends so 100%. we are now on the quick fire round so i've changed these slightly from the ones i emailed you with so again i'm putting you on the spot but no problem let's let's roll with it so what are the like biggest three challenges you have had in your property journey so far Biggest three challenges was finding the deficit to pay back investors. So again, the flips helped out with that, but there was still some things that we had to then generate, um, you know, to to get the the investors paid back. So that was that was by far the biggest challenge. Um, second one was finding out how it sort of fit into your life, how how it fit into your diary. With having two other businesses, 
and two young kids and you know you've got to keep family life up there as well it was very challenging figuring out how this was going to fit into my life at first now you know I just got more organized though so that's then something that wasn't wasn't so much of an issue um what other challenge I, I can't really think of any other challenge other than that no, that's fair enough. No, I'll, 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 accept go, I'll give you two. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. So the next thing is, what are the top three things in your life that have um, allowed you to be successful? It could be kids, could be partner, could be cheese, could be anything. Mm, cheese. It's quite the mm, cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think for, for me, definitely my partner and uh, my kids have been a big driving force, big why for me. Uh, in terms of you know I want to be successful for because I want to create a lifestyle for us and um, it is something that Rachel definitely she's she, the, the good thing about Rachel my, my partner she's also on that 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 sort of mindset she's of the same mindset she's into personal growth she is looking at um, creating residual income streams and passive income streams so we're very much in the same wavelength there so that's been a massive helper the fact that I want my kids to be proud to, to call me their dad is another thing so yeah that's been a massive driver um, God, what else like what just becoming the best version of me you know I'm a work in progress definitely but the, the personal development has been something that drives me as well. I want to become the person who, um, you know, is, can earn a million, a million pounds a year because that's the type of person you need to become. If that's what you want to earn, then you need to become that person in terms of um, what else has helped me. The community of people, you know, surround yourself, guys, with people who who are doing what you want to do. If you If you want to do something and achieve something, reach out to them. Reach out to the people that you can see living that lifestyle. Reach out to the people you can see are doing what you want to do and ask them how they did it. Now, that's that's going to be the quickest way of getting them. Take them out for lunch if they're, you know, if they're looking for, you know, some form of payment, if they've got a business or whatever it is. If you want success and you can see someone doing doing well with what you want to do, then ask them how it's done and, and that's the quickest way to do it. I like that. I really like the last one as well. So that kind of leads me on to my last quick fire question, which is top, your top three tips for people who are new in property investment. Okay, top three tips. Um, number one, embrace social media. Definitely embrace it. Um, it's something that can really help you uh, to grow your business and to grow your property portfolio and create this brand for yourself. I think you said that they are creating this brand. Um, number two, work on yourself daily. Personal development is going to be vital. Property or any business is one or lost between the ears. So if you're not working on yourself, then you need to be reading books. You need to be listening to podcasts like this one. You need to be attending seminars. You need to be surrounding yourself with um, positive people who are on the same sort of journey. And number three is build your capital pot. So don't go in a rush to try and, you know, buy and build your portfolio straight away using other people's money, which is a, it's a popular strategy. But take it from me because it got quite stressful trying to pay people back. Build your capital up. Do some flips. Do as much as you can. Um, and if you've got some cash of your own to start with, great. But turn that pot of 50 into 150, 250. And then once you've got that cash there, you can then put that into buy to lets and or you know essays whatever you want to do but it just gives you puts you in a stronger position fantastic barry i think this podcast is full of knowledge insight and advice that you have you know you've gained through you know like you said your hindsight is our foresight you know you've gone through 
purchasing 15 properties in 17 months which is crazy um <laughs> you know you've got a great amount coming in a month you know there's so much that people and, and i have as well learned from this podcast so look i, I just again want to say thank you so much for for coming on the test talks podcast no thanks for having me buddy appreciate it if you like this podcast connect with tej on facebook linkedin and youtube for more great content